If you enjoy listening to this podcast, we ask you to consider supporting it by making a one-time or reoccurring donation. Visit Mayflower's website at www.mayflowerucc.org and click on the Donate tab in the menu. Donations made to Mayflower's Communications Fund are tax-deductible and help ensure that this podcast is available. Thank you for your support. The sermon you are about to hear was preached at Mayflower Congregational UCC Church in Oklahoma City by the Reverend Dr. Lori Walkie, senior minister at one of America's premier liberal Protestant pulpits. At Mayflower, we are an open and affirming peace and justice church where we believe religion should be biblically responsible, intellectually honest, emotionally satisfying, and socially significant. We go now to the pulpit of Mayflower Congregational UCC Church of Oklahoma City and to the preaching and teaching of Reverend Dr. Lori Walkie. Good morning. Welcome to the Distinguished Pulpit Series at Mayflower Congregational United Church of Christ, where no matter who you are or where you are on life's journey, you are welcome here. As we noted earlier, it is the first Sunday of our Distinguished Pulpit series, four Sundays when we welcome a diversity of voices into the Mayflower Pulpit. And by diversity, we mean theological, racial, philosophical, gender, sexuality. And for the first time in the history of the pulpit series, age. Our preachers have always been 20 to 80-somethings before today. But our guest preacher this morning is 12. Her name is Charlotte Anderson, and I invite you to please help me give a Mayflower welcome to Charlotte. You all, of course, have seen Charlotte as our worship leader on multiple occasions, so it's a little bit different. But Charlotte is a former two-term kid kid governor of Oklahoma, serving from 2021 to 2022. She was selected to be kid governor by the Oklahoma Institute for Child Advocacy in 2020 when she ran on a platform of improving kids' health. She is currently serving on the advisory board for the International Children's Voting Colloquium. In December of 2022, she was the keynote speaker for Amnesty International UK's annual conference on children and youth. For a while during her stint as Oklahoma Kid Governor, uh, I was the opening act for Charlotte. I would give the invocation and then she would do the keynote and we did that on several occasions and it was uh, such a delight. You're in for a real treat. For the work and ministry of Charlotte Anderson, let the people say, Thanks be to God. Will you pray with me? The recent report from our state auditor was brutal, Holy One. The behavior and choices uncovered in it were greedy, deceitful, calculated, or sinful, to use the theological term. Wicked may be the most fitting descriptor of all. 657 students of low-income families who qualified for help did not get help because there wasn't any money left. 
It had already been taken by those who said that they had not suffered any economic hardship. Almost $2 million paid to private schools in excess of those families' tuition responsibilities. Preferential treatment given to certain private schools and particular individuals by allowing them to apply before the general public. It turns out that all of the hand-wringing done by certain elected officials about immorality and godlessness in public schools was just projection. They were using your name in vain to steal and bear false witness, among other things. Jesus said, whoever gives even a cup of cold water to one of these little ones in the name of a disciple, none of these will lose their reward. So what happens if the cup of cold water isn't offered? What if it's given to someone who already has enough? But we'll let you worry about that part. We have enough to do trying to make things right. We've got to vote and volunteer, build community, redistribute wealth, and make restitution. There are cups of cold water to pass out. Help us, Holy One, not to spill any more than we already have. Amen. Our scripture lesson this morning comes from the Gospel of John, chapter 6, verses 1 through 14. After this, Jesus went to the other side of the Sea of Galilee, also called the Sea of Tiberias. A large crowd kept following him because they saw the signs that he was doing for the sick. Jesus went up the mountain and sat there with his disciples. Now, the Am I reading this right? Am I reading? Am I wearing? Yes. Okay, here we go. Yes. Okay. Now the Passover, the festival of the Jews, was near. When he looked up and saw a, loud, a large crowd coming towards him, Jesus said to Philip, where are we going to buy bread for these people to eat? There were so many people and they didn't have any food. He said this to test him, for he himself knew what he was going to do. Philip answered him, six months' wages would not buy enough bread for each of them to get a little. One of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, said to him, there is a boy here who has five loaves and two fish. But what are they among so many people? Jesus said, make the people sit down. Now there was a great deal of grass in the place, so they sat down, about 5,000 in all. Then Jesus took the loaves, and when he had given thanks, he distributed them to those who were seated. So also the fish, as much as they wanted. When they were satisfied, he told his disciples, gather up the fragments left over so that nothing may be lost. So they gathered them up. And from the fragments of the five barley loaves left by those who had eaten, they filled 12 baskets of leftovers. When the people saw the sign that he had done, they began to say, This is indeed the prophet who is to come into the world. Here ends the reading from our tradition. May God grant us wisdom 
and courage for interpretation. As we've heard before, the miracle is never the point of the story. But that's what people want to talk about over and over again. There were about 5,000 people who ate. In other versions of the Bible, it says 5,000 men and doesn't mention any women or kids. But my guess is they were there and just ignored by whoever wrote those versions. So typical. Anyway, after everyone was done eating, we can imagine they pushed away from the table, maybe stretched a little bit, yawned, and then they scooped up their crumbs and leftovers and filled 12 baskets. They started with only five small barley loaves and two small fish. 5,000 people ate. This is where most people stop. They think, wow, that's a lot of food. Way to go, Jesus. A real miracle. But remember, the miracle is never the point of the story. So let's look more closely. How did they get all that food? Where did it come from? Remember that one small kid who offered to share his food? I think the point of the story is about that kid. The disciples dismiss the kid, like adults do all the time. But Jesus did not. Jesus blessed the kid's idea. What would happen if adults blessed kids' ideas? Imagine the possibilities. I can think of a few examples where this has happened. A kid in Kenya named Lisan Montaki started planting 11 trees every time he scored a soccer goal, one for each of his teammates. The adults at the Kenyan Ministry of Environment and Forestry thought it was a great idea, and they started providing saplings and advising where to plant the trees. And others started making the same commitment with an organization Lisan started. They've planted over 5,000 trees. Greta Thunberg started a school strike when she was 15 to draw attention to climate change. She has spoken to the United Nations and has had millions of people join strikes with her. Ella and Caitlin McEwen in the United Kingdom started a petition when they were seven and nine to make Burger King stop putting plastic toys in their kids' meals because making plastic emits greenhouse gases and the toys end up in junkyards and the ocean. Burger King listened. Christina Pazuko, a high schooler in Poland, heard about the domestic violence increase during the pandemic and had an idea. She created a fake cosmetics website where victims could chat with a salesperson, but it was actually a helpline. And when victims placed an order, they were actually requesting authorities to come to their home to help. Adults listened and offered psychologists and lawyers to respond to the chats, and the European Union gave her 10,000 euros. Okay, now back to the text. Because Jesus blessed this kid's idea, a miracle did happen. Everyone had enough food. But to me, it isn't just the food multiplying that's the miracle. There are a few miracles. The first miracle to me is that the kid had courage. It's hard to be a kid in a room full of grown-ups with a big problem and to propose a solution. Kids always get shot down, and it's hard to speak up. 
The kid in this story showed a lot of courage in a room full of men with a big problem and no obvious solution. He was like Greta Thunberg with climate change. That's a big problem that grown-ups seem overwhelmed by, but they know a solution. That doesn't stop her at 15 from standing up and demanding that grown-ups take drastic action. That courage is a miracle. The second miracle I see is that Jesus takes the boy seriously. The disciples say, it's just loaves and fish. They act like it's a stupid idea. I've been there before. Adults always shoot kids down by saying, aw, so cute that you have ideas. Maybe when you're older? Jesus doesn't say any of that. He says, good idea, and he uses it. This isn't the only time Jesus shows that grown-ups need to listen to kids. Matthew 18, verses 1 through 5, has a similar message. It says, At that time, the disciples came to Jesus and asked, Who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? He called a child, whom he put among them, and said, Truly I tell you, unless you change and become like children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Whoever becomes humble like this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Whoever welcomes one such child in my name welcomes me. Jesus puts a kid in the middle of the disciples. He says they need to become like the kid. Use the kid as an example. Be humble. Jesus wants the grown-ups to treat the kid with respect. But more than that, he wants them to follow the lead of the kid. Let's talk about what happens when people don't listen to kids. It has been a little longer than a year since the school shooting in Uvalde, Texas. I read an article about a girl named Caitlin Gonzalez. She is an 11-year-old girl who survived a school shooting in May 2022. She had to hide in the classroom. She heard someone shoot and kill 19 fourth graders and two teachers across the hall. She knew all of them. They were her friends. What did Caitlin do? She became an advocate. In the article, it said, by September, she had become her school's most public survivor, a voice for her friends who were dead and for those who were alive but too daunted to say anything. She had spoken at rallies in Uvalde and Austin and, had, and to U.S. senators in Washington. She demanded that the people in charge of her school district fire the police officers who failed to save her classmates. She wrote her own speeches in neat block letters and stood alone before the microphones, sometimes on her tippy toes. Caitlin couldn't sleep alone at night because she was so scared. In the fall, she went to her new school's Meet the Teacher Day. She noticed that the overhead lights were so dim that the faces at the end of the hallway were hard to see. It was dark. Caitlin was so scared of the darkness that she didn't want to go to the restroom by herself. She begged the school board to put in better lights, but they did nothing. And gun laws, they haven't changed either. This is not good. Hello, grown-ups, listen to kids, and fix the lights. But also do something about gun laws so kids don't have to be afraid of getting shot in school. Guns are the number one cause of death in America. We are the only country in the world where mass shootings happen all the time. We also have more guns than any other country. This is not a coincidence. There are proven ways to protect kids, 
but grown-ups aren't doing any of them. Caitlin isn't the first kid to speak out about gun violence. There have been lots of school shootings, and kids have demanded that someone, anyone, do something to protect us. We kids are the ones who have to do intruder drills. We are taught to run, hide, and fight. My six-year-old sister is supposed to fight someone with an assault rifle. Are you kidding me? That's the best you can do. I'm tired of grown-ups not listening to us kids. More than anything, I'm tired of grown-ups not doing anything we suggest. As kid governor, I talked about kids' health, climate change, poverty, teaching kids the whole history, not just a sugar-coated white men's version of history, gun violence, racism, criminal justice, and equal rights for all genders, including getting the same resources to girls' sports as we do to boys' sports, not telling trans girls they can't play sports, and bullying, mainly by grown-ups. And then, at some point, I talked about kids voting. I felt like I wasn't being treated seriously on any of the other issues. We kids aren't equals, and we aren't treated seriously without being able to vote. We don't have real power. That's the point, isn't it? We have no real power, no say. Why? Are grown-ups scared we will influence people too much? We have different opinions, and maybe they won't have power? Do you think Jesus would dismiss our ideas? Do you think Jesus would laugh off the suggestion that kids should be able to vote? I don't. I think he would listen. I'd like for you to listen to, like Jesus and really think about what I have to say. Here are some reasons I think kids should vote. First, it would be fair. The Universal Declaration of Human Rights says that a fundamental human right is the right to vote. Are we not humans? I think kids are people too, and I want to live in a democracy, not a grown-democracy. It's supposed to be one person, one vote, right? Am I not a person? When I tell people I think kids should be able to vote, their first reaction is to laugh. It's insulting. We're treated like we're less than everyone else, like we aren't humans. Second, it's silly. There isn't some magical time when people start making good choices. Grown-ups make the opposite of good choices all the time. <laughs> like wars. I don't remember any wars started by a kid, do you? Third, laws apply to us too, and we have to go to jail if we don't follow them. But we can't vote on laws. It seems really unfair that we could lose our freedom and our entire lives by being put in jail without us having any way to help decide what kids should go to jail for. Fourth, if we work or spend money, we have to pay taxes, but we don't get to decide where those taxes go. It's taxation without representation. People have fought wars over that. Like the Revolutionary War, something we're about to celebrate. Fifth, families would have more power and we would get better laws for families and kids. It would be one person, one vote. A family of five would have more power than a family of two, but they should. In the United States, kids are counted when they're making voting districts and deciding how many representatives each state or area gets. 
But then, when it comes time to vote, only the adults get to vote. That doesn't make any sense at all. They're saying kids are humans for drawing lines on a map, but not humans for voting. They're using kids to get power, and they're snatching that power away from the kids. Sixth, when people turn 18, there's a lot of stuff going on. They're just starting college or living alone for the first time and trying to figure out how to do everything at once. It's not the best time to suddenly learn about elections, politics, and candidates. If kids could vote as they're growing up, it would be part of their lives. Kids would get more involved in their communities, kids would get in the habit of voting, and when they're grown-ups, it would be a routine. It would tell kids and humans when they're um, kids that their voices matter. That by itself would change the world. To me, that's what Jesus would want. He'd want kids to be like the little boy in John 6, courageous and unafraid to offer solutions to big problems. And imagine what would happen if grown-ups were a little more like Jesus, really listening and considering kids' ideas. It would be great if grown-ups would just do that, but if it takes us holding actual political power through voting, that works too. Kids make very good decisions. We see and pay attention to things grown-ups don't. We care about everything, and we're creative. Jesus knew that. What are you so afraid of? Grown-ups let kids do all kinds of things, even dangerous things. We can ride bikes, we can cook, we can pet sit, we can babysit, we can do archery, we can shoot guns, we can go on the internet. How is it possible that of all those things, grown-ups are what? Scared of us voting? I've heard a lot of arguments against kids voting. Let's talk about those. People always tell me that kids will be the pawns of their parents. That's wrong for two reasons. Everyone is influenced by their community and the people around them, and that's okay. Sometimes they're influenced in good ways, sometimes they're influenced in bad ways, but that's part of life, c'est la vie. Two, that argument was used to say women shouldn't vote. They said women would just do what their husbands told them to do, but that was wrong and women can make their own decisions. Kids can too. Kids have opinions and speak out about climate change and gun violence. And do you really think kids always listen to their parents? <laughs> Especially when it's about bedtime or chores. Let's talk about the next argument I hear. People say kids aren't competent. They say we aren't educated enough, that we won't know what's going on that we don't have experience or wisdom. There are three reasons why that argument is terrible. One, lots of grown-ups are not competent and they still get to vote. <laughs> Two, this sounds a lot like literacy tests. In the United States, after the Civil War and the end of slavery, there were laws to keep black Americans from having equal rights, called Jim Crow laws. One of the Jim Crow policies was making people take literacy tests to be able to vote. If they failed, they couldn't vote. It was biased and racist. Literacy tests are now against the law. You can't use them to keep adults from voting. 
Why should it be any different with kids? Three, people think that grown-ups have wisdom and that wisdom comes from age and experience. But do people become wise with age or do they get forgetful? I read an article that said how grown-ups always think kids are worse than they were. When I was a kid, we didn't play video games or do drugs or drink alcohol. Did you know there's a thing called playing outside? In that article, it said studies show that kids are actually wiser now. They do less drugs, they drink less alcohol, and they don't smoke cigarettes. They make better choices than their parents made. Grown-ups have bad memories. They forget things. The idea that just being around a long time makes, hu makes humans better or wiser is weird, if you ask me, and it's not true. I think it's important to listen to everyone, not just the adults, especially on things where we kids know more and impacts us more, like climate change. We learn about climate change in science. How long has it been since you took a science class? Plus, a 95-year-old may die soon, and they might not care about what happens to the Earth 10 years from now. But kids are going to have to clean up this mess. I've read that grown-ups have been banning a lot of books. They think kids can't cope with or understand certain books. I don't think most grown-ups remember what they could or could not understand with when they were in 7th grade. Do you know who knows? Seventh graders, we're experts. Remember what Jesus said in Matthew 18, who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? Unless you change and become like children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Whoever becomes humble like this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Whoever welcomes one such child in my name welcomes me. Will you welcome me and my ideas? Will you be humble when kids speak up? Will you encourage us? Will you take us seriously? But more than that, will you follow our lead? We know what we're doing. And if you didn't realize the future belongs to us, we're the ones who have to solve the problems you've created. Give us a seat at the table now to solve them. You never know what miracles might happen. Amen. You've been listening to the preaching and teaching of Rev. Dr. Lori Walkie, Senior Minister at Mayflower Congregational UCC Church in Oklahoma City. More information about the church can be found at www.mayflowerucc.org or by visiting Mayflower's Facebook page. Worship services are every Sunday at 10 a.m with Sunday school classes for all ages at 9 a.m. Mayflower is located on Northwest 63rd Street in Oklahoma City, one block west of Portland. Thank you for listening.